Our learning and applying God's Word continues as we go through our John Sermon Series. Hello, my name is Pastor Al Green, and uh, this is Beyond the Notes. We had a wonderful service yesterday. We, we hope that you were able to participate in it, either by being here on the campus or uh, watching it online. And as I promised yesterday in my uh, introduction to the sermon, that we would follow up today by talking about what marriages were like a little bit during the first century of Christianity, uh, since we were covering the uh, marriage of, in Cana uh, yesterday in the sermon. And as I mentioned, there are three C's that we want to remember as we think about marriage back in those days, and that is contract, consummation, and celebration. Let's first of all talk about the contract. It was an agreement that would be reached by the father and the daughter and the one who is to marry the daughter. And uh, it's typified by some verses. Let me read to you out of Genesis chapter 28 when it talks about Jacob. It says, And Jacob loved Rachel, and he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter Rachel. Laban said, It is better that I give her to you than I should give her to anyone other man away from me. So Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and it seemed to him but a few days because of the love that he had for her. That's typical for the contract that they had in the marriages. There would be an amount that the uh, pursuer of the of the daughter would give to the father in saying, "I will, I will earn this much. I will, I will either build this house or I will have so much money." in the bank, so to speak, uh, before I marry your daughter. And so that's what Jacob did. Seven years for him, that's quite a long time. Uh, when I was in Haiti visiting one time in Capetian, as we were driving around the, the country, I noticed that there were homes in uh, several levels of completion. And I thought, maybe it's just because of it being a third world country. But as I spoke to some of the pastors there, I found out that it's a very similar situation there, that the young men, when they wanted to marry, they had to build their own house in order to uh, get married. It had to be completed first. And since there is no such thing as getting a loan to build a house in Haiti, the men would have to work and save up their money and work a little bit at a time and, and get a little bit done and a little bit more done. Then finally, when the house was completed, they were able to go back to the father and say, "It is it, it, the home is ready for your daughter to come and be my wife. And then the wedding ceremony would take place. So there was that contract that, that would start off. And uh, in the Bible, that's called the betrothal period. And the contract is actually a legal document back in those early Christian days. They were actually married, and there are recordings of some contracts being made when a girl was even one year old. Now, obviously, there would not be any consummation of the marriage for many years to come after that. But they would sign this document, they be would become legally married, and it would take a, a divorce in order to break that contract or an annulment if something had gone wrong, like what Joseph was considering doing with Mary when he found out she was pregnant beforehand. So there was the contract that would start off the, uh, the process of getting married. And then the second C is consummation. And that, of course, is when they, they physically uh, come together. Now, that took place normally at the father's home or the bride's home. And what they would do there, the bridal procession, the, the bride and her ten virgins who uh, would attend with her would make a procession through the streets of their home 
toward their father's house, and there would be much uh, people along the, the road and, and a lot of celebration as they approached the home. And then they would wait there and uh, until the bridegroom would come. And uh, that is something that we find a little bit of a, a, a mentioning in the scriptures in Matthew chapter 25. And uh, let me read you that uh, parable. The, the kingdom of heaven will be like 10 virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom. Come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. And while they were going to, bury, to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in to him to the marriage feast. The door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came out also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he said, Truly, I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you neither know the day nor the hour. And that is in reference to the, the wedding ceremonies of that uh, time period, where the the bride would take her 10 virgins and they would make their procession to the home of, their, of her father. And there they would wait. And then the bridegroom with his attendants would then later on come and uh, they would make their procession to the streets to the father's house. And in the story there in Matthew 25, we see that the coming of the bridegroom was delayed. And what would happen then when, when the bridegroom and his attendants got to the father's house, they would enter the house and then the door would be shut so that no one else would come in because that was going to be the time when they were going to consummate their wedding. And in the uh, story of the virgins, there were the foolish ones who went and got oil was not ready. And uh, when they got back, the door was shut and no one other in the community, no one else could enter in. And uh, so we find that that's a reference to the, the wedding ceremony of the consummation back in that particular day. And uh, we find also that uh, that when they, when they got into the father's house, they would go into the bride's room or the bride's tent. Or many times, if there was a separate room for the mother, that that, that was where they would uh, the consummation would take place. You read about that in Isaac. When Isaac and Rebekah were married, the, the Bible tells us that they went into to, uh, Isaac's mother's tent, and there they, they consummated their wedding. And uh, so that's what would take place. And it was interesting. It was far different than today because back then they had to take a piece of cloth and they had to lay it on the bed. And after the consummation, they had to produce the cloth with blood on it and uh, prove to the parents and to the witnesses of the bridegroom's attendants and the bride's attendants that she truly was a virgin, which was something different for the Jewish nation than other Semitic tribes in that day. They had similar uh, processes for uh, marrying people, but they didn't go to the extent of the expectation of purity that the Jewish people did. And so there, there was a process for, for marrying people who were virgins, and there was a process, which, by the way, is usually on a Wednesday, interestingly enough, and there was a process for marrying widows. 
uh, and that was on a Thursday. Uh, but there was no process in the, in the ancient nation of Israel for someone who, you know, to get married who was not either a virgin or a widow. And uh, they really emphasized the fact of honoring God through, through entering the marriage contract uh, as a virgin or as a widow. And they had to prove that to the parents and to everyone else in order for that to happen. If you ever read uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 7, and especially verses 26 through 38, you'll find there that there is um, a little bit of a discussion about the uh, a man and his betrothed and whether or not he can refrain from consummating the wedding at that particular time or not. And uh, Paul discusses that. So when you read those, those verses in 1 Corinthians 7, verses 26 through 38, think in terms of this contract when they become betrothed to one another. They are actually legally married, but yet not married in a sense, almost, but not yet. Uh, and uh, they had to consummate it first. So that's the second C of the consummation. And the third C would be the celebration. And that was what we were reading of in uh, John chapter 2 and, and we were discussing yesterday, was the celebration of the wedding. Now, after the consummation took place at the uh, father's house or the bride's house, then they would make a, a, another procession, public procession with much celebration through the streets to the bridegroom's home where the celebration would take place. And uh, sometimes, interestingly enough, the, uh, the, the groom's attendants would kind of kidnap the uh, bride after the consummation ceremony was over and would take her then through the streets uh, to the bridegroom's home. The bridegroom or the groom then would go to the, excuse me, to the groom's home. And then the groom would go to either a relative or a friend's house. And when the bride got to the uh, groom's home where she was going to be living as a married woman, they would begin to fix the house up and decorate it, and they would adorn her in different uh, garments than what uh, she was wearing for her consummation uh, portion. And then when the groom would find out everything was ready, then he would leave the friend or, or relative's house, and another procession would take place back to his own home where his certified wife was there waiting for her. And uh, they would come in, and then the, the celebration would begin after that. And uh, then uh, people would be invited to that. In Matthew chapter 22, in the first 14 verses, you read there where the, uh, the fellow wanted to invite everybody, the father wanted to invite everybody to the celebration of his father's or his son's wedding. And uh, there were many who turned him away, and it was, it was a very uh, uh, not a good thing to, to be invited to a wedding celebration and not attend. Certainly when Jesus and his disciples were invited there in John 2, they did attend, and, and it was a good thing that he was there. So when you read Matthew 22, you, you might understand in those first 14 verses, the contract had been signed, and then some time had passed, and then the consummation had taken place, and all of these processions through the streets and celebrations, and uh, then they got to the place where they were to be invited to the, to the wedding celebration. And you'll understand that a little bit more. So in closing, let me just uh, wrap up a couple of thoughts uh, biblically about uh, this process of how they got married back then and how that might 
relate in a typical way with our salvation in a, in a picture type of way. When you think of our contract for the wedding, think about a long, long time ago, the Bible actually tells us that in Ephesians chapter 1, and let me turn to that passage and read to you uh, some verses there. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verses uh, 3 through 6, the Bible there says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us in Christ Jesus with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestinated us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. You see, our contract... Uh, in our marriage as the bride of Christ, as the church in this, in this particular age, that contract was actually signed by God in a sense uh, before the, the foundations of the world that, uh, that God would know that his son would come, that his son would become the, the bridegroom and the, and the church would be the bride and there would be a wedding that was going to take place. And there was a contract that was signed certainly by God way back then before the foundations of the world. And uh, we are then received that, that contract. We enter into that by faith. And uh, back in Romans chapter 5 and a couple of verses there, we read, But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we had now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved from him from the wrath of God. Saved by his blood is, is an interesting statement, which kind of goes along with the consummation part of the ceremony of weddings back in that day, that there had to be proof of blood to show that she truly was a virgin in order for the wedding ceremony to proceed. Well, there's kind of a, a recapturing of of virginity for us through the through the shed precious blood of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We, of course, we were sinners, as we read there in Romans 5, 8, and we could in no way claim to be spiritually virgin. But by Jesus's blood, he kind of recaptures that for us, and we become sinless in him because of the contract he signed with us before the foundation of the world, and by his, our accepting that by faith, then there is that sense in which there we are become sinless as he takes our sin and gives us his sinlessness. And the consummation then finally wraps up at the uh, second coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the celebration... Well, it's, it's going to be coming then, and, and you, we can read back at the, uh, near the end of the book of Revelation in chapter 19 and verses 7, 8, and 9. Well, a little bit more than that. He says, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. So there is, in a sense, uh, in picture form, that uh, we enjoy the contract 
and the, the consummation through the shed blood of Christ and, and then the coming together at the second coming of Jesus Christ. And then we have then at that point the celebration of which they enjoyed so much of which we talked about in John chapter 2. So that wraps it up for us today. We, uh, we hope that, that you enjoyed and you found that interesting. Each week, our teaching team will be sharing an episode of Beyond the Notes with you. And uh, you've heard from us this week. Now we'd like a chance to hear from you. So uh, in whatever way that you're watching this podcast, if you can either rate it or review it, uh, we would appreciate that so much. We hope that it had been an encouragement to you and that you'll share these podcasts with other people as well. And they may be an encouragement and a help to them also. You can also visit McGregorPodcast.com uh, to learn more about how our podcast shows and and how to listen to them. So looking ahead to next Sunday, you can read ahead as we study God's Word together in uh, John chapter 2, beginning with verse 13. God bless, and we'll see you on the next episode.